Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. What you have done, we thank you for what you're doing and what you're yet going to do. Can I get an amen on that? Wow, 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 wow. Well, I, I must tell you, this is a different kind of message and service to prepare for. Never learned how to do this in any kind of Bible schooling or anything like that. It's, I must admit, this is new to me, but I like what Nikita said. I'll say it again. That she said today kind of feels like that last day of high school when you graduate. How many graduated high school? You know, that last day, I remember being there and seeing uh, kids crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? We're getting up out of here. And, uh, and then I was like, this is, you know, then as the day went on, I, I noticed those that really have been there for a while, like me, about six or eight years, got a little emotional, like, okay, yeah, I see how it is, but, you know, we're, we're graduating. But here's the good news, church. We're, we're, we're all graduating together, and then we're all going to college together over on Sumter Road. Come on, right? Just look at that. Look at it like that. But it's got that feel today. And, and I said, Nikita, that's right on. That's how it is, man. That's like how it is. We got another whole group of church out before you right now. It's amazing. I love it. So uh, uh, thank you for being here today. We do got some special guests. We got some folks that were here at the 930 service. They were here when the very first service of this church. And I noticed they're here now. Wave at us. These guys were here 1973 then, I guess, when this church had its first service. They're with us again today. So amen. God bless you. Having you here. Good to see Brother Kavar with us today, amen, and uh, visiting with us, and he told me, he said, hey, brother, I slept in this building, I'm a part of this church, amen, <laughs> all the work he has helped us with, so amen, Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be today, it's going to be kind of a different service, and um, we can go ahead and turn over there, I'm going to say a prayer, and then you can be seated, and uh, I'm looking for Robert, oh yeah, we need to hand out these sermon notes. So I want everybody to get a sermon note. If you did not receive a sermon note, hold your hand up, and ushers are coming around and getting these for you. Just hand these out. And uh, Robert George, if you're in the building, I need you to go grab that for me. Amen. So as they're handing them out, we're going to be going to Joshua, and then uh, we're going to go and grab those for me, Rob. Amen. Well, let's pray. We're going to pray first. We normally stand for the reading of the word, but we're going to pray. We're going to be seated, and then we're going to go through the word together. So uh, they're handing out notes. I think we, we could still do this. Let's pray right now. Father, we thank you for today, what it uh, stands for and represents. It stands for today represents so many uh, hours and so many years even of prayer and prayer and prayer. People have prayed, God, in this parking lot for you to bring a ministry and you would bring your presence here and, and would do something great. And Father, you've done that. You've done that. And Father, we're living in a moment right now in history of this church and your plan, and we're a part of it. And I thank you that we're a part of it. We are honored, honored God, to be a part of what you're doing right now, Lord. And God, it is, uh, we believe, a tip of the iceberg. Eyes have not seen as you have told us, Lord, and ears have not heard of what you're yet to do. But Father, this is a moment right now that at this service, 1130, 
870 Savage Road, our last time gathering uh, on this property, God. I pray your blessing to be with us as we look into the word today. God, re, uh, give us instruction today and refresh our spirit and help us today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go ahead. You may be seated today in Jesus' name. If you were not here last week, uh, I, rec- I encourage you to read or to listen to the podcast. I talked about, been talking about this uh, transition and kicked off a series called Arise. And so we're still in it today, Arise and, and, and Arise and Go is what we've been talking about yes, last week and this week. And then next week we're going to be talking about Nehemiah, Arise and Build. And then we're going to finally get to Isaiah 60, Arise and Shine. Uh, which the scripture God gave me in April, right over here in prayer, had no idea the significance of what this scripture would mean, and that God had prepared a building for us, and like I, everyone knows what the rest of the story. And, uh, and so, I, 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 like I said, I don't know what to do today. This is a different kind of a message and sermon to get ready for. But like I always preach to you, what do I say? Find yourself in the Bible. Find yourself in the Bible where someone was going through what you're going through and see what they did. And so I did that, and it brings me to Joshua. Uh, this is where we were last week with Arise and Go. And God told Joshua to tell the people to arise and go. And so I also talked last week how sometimes it's a, it's a struggle to go through transition. And so we need to help one another. And in Joshua 1, he did say that. He says, your mighty warriors, let them cross over first. They're all ready to take the land. We've got them kind of people here. But Joshua said that there's also a generation there that, hey, they grew up in the wilderness. For 40 years, they grew up there. They, they had neighbors that they got to know, and their kids were raised together. And so now they find themselves at the brink of going into the promised land, which they know it's far better, but they're human. And so they're, they're struggling a little bit with trying to make the transition. And I told you that life is filled with transitions. If, you, if something is living, it's changing. If something is changing, then transition will happen. And so we got to get used to going, and there are going to be some transitions where we know we need to go forward, but there's a little bit of struggling that we need to go through. And so I talked about that a lot last week and talked about helping them. And that's a part of what life is. And our church has been through some ups and downs, some, some we've lost some folks. And, and, and along the way, and I mentioned this morning, we miss our sister Sabrina. When I was putting on this purple shirt today, I thought about her and uh, we remember her so much. And, and it's just amazing to see what God is doing and continuing to go through, help us all get through that because churches are like family. It's a church family. We celebrate together, we grieve together, and we get through it together. And so that's what God is telling Joshua here. He's saying, I want you all to cross over together. Some are like, let's go. Others are like, man, wiping the eyes as they go. And so that's why we've been here for two weeks and talking about arise and go. And so I didn't want to be so preachy today, but I just wanted to... But I'm always that way. <laughs> I love the one day. I see Charles Stanley sometimes sitting in that chair and just talking. I said, man, that looks so easy. <laughs> Can't do it. And uh, so Joshua chapter uh, 3 here. And it says that Joshua, verse 1, rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel. Everybody say all. 
Everybody was with them, and they lodged there before they crossed over. They kind of took a pause break before they crossed over. So it was after three days. It took over a million Jews uh, is what we're reading about. So it takes a little time. It took three days for them just to stop and, and to take a break. And so next verse says, And they commanded the people, saying, This is what God is saying. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Somebody say, go after it. He's telling them, listen, I am, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, it's that little gold box we we learn about in the Old Testament, it represented the presence of God. Indiana Jones was so nice to tell us, show us a little bit of that, of the Ark of the Covenant. That's what that whole thing is about. Uh, it, it actually was a very sacred piece of furniture that God had Moses construct. It represented Christ in many ways, made with wood, overlaid with gold. All these analogies are throughout the Word of God. Here it represents the very presence of God. And so God is telling them, when you see the presence of God beginning to move, you've got to learn to pursue it. And let me just tell you that God has never changed his mind on that. He is still a God that is expecting us to pursue him. You will never stop pursuing God as a follower of Christ. That is a, in fact, that's the only way you will grow in God. You cannot grow in God unless you pursue God. If you and I quit pursuing God, we will no longer grow in God. It just doesn't happen. Tell somebody next to you, it just don't happen. You can even come to church and listen to me preach or whoever is preaching. You can learn the songs, but it doesn't necessarily mean you are growing in your faith. Help me, somebody. What will cause you to really grow in your faith is one thing and one thing only. is pursuing God. It's reading it, learning it, studying it, praying it. I mean, it's just pursuing God. Jesus comes on planet Earth, and what did he do? He said to his disciples, come, follow me. Follow me. Now, there were some that loved to hear Jesus preach. Oh, man, multitudes came. He gave out free food, too. Come on, somebody. They loved it. Fishes and loaves. Come on, Long John Silver ain't got nothing on there. This is fresh fish with little hush puppies too old to coleslaw. Come on, somebody. Let's give it up for the hush puppies and coleslaw in the house of God. No, just, <laughs> I love y'all, man. Y'all wait there with me. And uh, so Jesus did that. People loved to hear Jesus preach. They loved when he did miracles, but not everybody followed him. John chapter 6 actually shows us a place where Jesus kind of turned around and he about had it one day. He said, I'm tired of healing all your sick people and giving you free food. If you really want to follow after me, you got to learn to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I mean, that was like, whoa, he's lost his mind. He's talking about cannibalism. And the Bible says there's one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible, John 6, 6, 6. It says, and many of the crowd followed him no more. One of the saddest scriptures in in the Bible. He turns to his 12 disciples, and you would think he would say, man, I just kind of lost it. I'm sorry. Here's the watered-down version. Please stay with us. No, no. He turned around. He said, you going to leave me too? There comes a point when you and I have got to come to the place that I call, the Bible calls, the point of no return. 
You've got to come to the place where you say, I don't care if I even understand what God does. He don't even have to bless me no more. I'm not here. I love that song. I'm not here asking for a blessing. I don't care if you do one more thing for me, God. It don't matter. I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to pursue you. How do you get there, Pastor Eddie? you got to make it up your mind that you are going to pursue him. It's a decision, and you go after God. So that's what God is teaching the, uh, Joshua and the people, that, listen, I want you to start to uh, follow and pursue me. I never stopped it. From my, I brought you out of Egypt, and Jesus came, and he taught us the same way. You will always be chasers of God and pursuers of God. That's how you grow in God. Amen. Verse 4 says... Yet there shall be a space between you and it. Between what? The, the Ark of the Covenant. About 2,000 cubits. That's a half a mile. That's about from here to five point. He said, I want you to stay that distance by measure. Do not come near it so that you may know the way by which you must go. I love this. For you have not passed this way before. That's relevant for us today. I've never pastored uh, a church in my life, and I've certainly never pastored what's going on here. This is, I have learned to be dependent upon God every time I get up out of bed. Used to just be dependent when I get in the pulpit, you know, then I would be dependent at a board meeting. Or, you know, I've learned that I have got to live that way from the moment I step out of the bed to the moment I get into the bed. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. So who do we think we are that we can do some things without God, some things with God? Come on, somebody. Man, this is good. So he's telling them, he says, but watch what he says. He said, I want you to follow me at a half a mile. In other words, from here to five point. Why? Because we have a tendency to get ahead of God. And he said, I'm taking you to a place where you don't know where you're going. So you're going to have to learn to follow me. You ever have some kids and you go to the zoo or something and you tell them, okay, stay with me. We're going to see these animals together. You turn around. You always got that one that's already up by the lions. Come on, somebody. That was me. Daddy's always say, look at Eddie's always got to be in the head of the pack. And it's amazing. Miranda's the same way today. And sometimes you get so mad, you're like, Johnny, get over here. I'm going to throw you over them to them lions. And they're all complaining, you know, whatever. We, all, we do the same thing with God. We want to get ahead of God all the time. I know what's up, God. I know where I'm going. I know what you want to do. And God says, no, no, I've got to teach you to pursue me. And part of pursuing me is waiting on me. Because I'm going to go, I'm taking, but you've got to just trust me. Here it is. Trust me that I'm going to take you to a promised land. And so you got to watch how I go. And I may go left, I may go right, but he says, I want you to stay a half mile. Don't get ahead of me. And also, so you don't fall back. Tell the person next to you, don't fall back. You can get lost in transition. Some people might have said, I can't even see where he's going. I don't even understand. I ain't going. I'm staying. And there were some that probably said, we want to go back in the wilderness. We liked it in the wilderness. We, we, you read it all through the Bible. They wanted to go back to Egypt many times. Anytime they faced a difficulty when they couldn't understand, they would say, man, we had it better in Egypt. You were slaves. You were getting beaten. Your children were thrown into the Nile River. And you had it better? Think about that. Our flesh sometimes can tell us the craziest things in, in the times of difficulty. So God said, I got I to get you to per, learn to pursue me. Don't, don't get ahead of me and don't fall back because you haven't been this way before. It's step by step. Somebody say step by step. You need to remember this. I've been saying it all along, but 
one way that God gets us into the promised land isn't always a great step of faith, but little steps of faithfulness. We are here today, and in that newspaper, she did a great job in describing little steps of faithfulness. When my dad led the way, him and mom and our family came out here in 2002, 10 of you here, and we didn't know what was going to happen, but we just knew all we had was vision and the presence of God. How many know that's all you need? <laughs> really, right there. And, but we've, we've been able to follow the presence of God, and God has led us and led us all the way to this. And I love what verse 7, it kind of goes with what I'm saying right now. God says to them, as you follow me, uh, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of the Lord. He said, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of the Lord of Israel, uh, and that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I wrote in my Bible the date of when God said it to me like this. I've said it before. As I was with you on Savage Road, I will be with you on Sumter Road. That's what he's saying there. He he goes, "I, I want you to learn to trust me, pursue me, go step by step, and in the process of you pursuing me, watch what happens. I'll begin to clean up your BC reputation before Christ, all the reproach, any shame, any things that you did back in the day, what you used to be known for, that reputation, that will begin to fall off of you, and it will be replaced with integrity, with character, with honor, with respect. That's what he's saying. Come on. Tell somebody, just keep pursuing them. That's what you got to do. He's saying, just keep pursuing me. What is this going to happen, Pastor Eddie? Listen, I am an ex-person running down the street, Minister Society. You ever see that movie, Minister Society? We used to love that movie because we identified with it. Straight out of e-course, just so far from this. I am telling you that today. Never wanted to be a pastor and go to seminary and learn how to do that. You look funny and your house smelled funny. I never wanted to do that. That's what I thought. I I didn't even understand that. God saved my dad. Our family began to change. God had come into the family. And I, I still didn't connect with the relationship of God because I wasn't pursuing him. And I only hung, out for, I hung on for a certain while. You only hang on to this for a certain while if you don't learn to pursue him. And then God began, so I went off into the world, had to learn to do this. But as I did, as I began to pursue him, he began to clean me up and he cleans you up. And he changes all of your reputation and begins to bring you. That's what he's saying to Joshua. He's saying, people were looking at these people. By the way, the reason why God chose the Jewish people, why not uh, all these other ethnicities? We're told in Genesis that God gave all, or in Acts 17, Paul reminds us that when God created Eve, he put all the ethnicities within her. We're all made from one blood. Isn't that amazing that here in 2019, we've discovered that here recently this year, uh, people that study biology, and then they had this headline that they have now traced back the human race to a single pair of human adults. Took you this long to get it, brother. No one ever bought that goo to the zoo to you anyway, brother. It it, it said from in in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God made man out of the dirt and he breathed in him the light and said, I will make man in my image. And out of man, he will take a helpmate, his rib, and say he will make you come alongside of him. And when he saw her, he went, whoa, man, shall be her name. He gave you Genesis 1 and 2 right there, baby. You're made in the image of God. God has a plan and a purpose for our life. Never forget that. 
And so what am I saying here? All this is God is bringing Joshua into the promised land. And then I want to get into the real message. I have no clock today, so no, amen. <laughs> Say amen or hold on. <laughs> it's getting warm in here, amen. You know, we got like 11 rooftops in the new building. So you're going to be comfortable. Amen. Anyway, so God's bringing them through. He's crossing them over. He's telling them to go day by day, step by step. And they're crossing over, and he says, as, as you do that, I will roll away the reproach. And then, yeah, that's why I said that back to the Jewish people. He picked the Jewish people because they were the smallest people group on planet Earth. Here they were, they were slaves in Egypt. They were the worst, the lowest on a totem pole. They, they were servants. They were slaves. But yet God chose them, and he said, I will make you a mighty nation for all the people to see. And, and actually, even to this day, I don't want to get too far off track, but the Jewish people is one of the most blessed people groups on planet Earth. Let me just tell you, one of the most who's leading the industry of medicine is you'll find uh, the Jewish community has been, is this like a blessing that has been there. Do you know who's got the lowest divorce rate of all people group? Jews. Look it up. Google that. Fact check me. I, I'm serious. It's amazing. But you know what the good news is? The Bible says in the New Testament, if we believed in Jesus, we may not be a Jew outwardly, but we're a Jew inwardly. Come on, somebody. Read it in Galatians. So we've all been grafted into the blessing because of Abraham. You guys come to church, you're hearing everything today. And I have three things to say. Did you guys get a, um, a sermon notes? Okay, then we're going to get into a Joshua 4 is where they actually crossed over. And that's what I wanted to get to today. And I said, God, what do I need to say today with all of this? Happening, And so God leads them to um, the place the, right there at the banks of the Jordan. And, and it says um, in verse 14 of chapter 3, So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all of its banks during the whole time of harvest. So it's the worst time to expect a miracle. It's the worst time to believe that God can part the sea. How many know that God will sometimes wait until you get the very, at the very worst situation that you can possibly be in before he steps in? He does it that way so that when he does it, only he can get the glory. That's exactly what he's doing here. So he says, I don't want to have you go through when, during the spring when the water is very low and you can just cross by and then you can tell your children, we did it because of our education and our strength and we united, we the people, we, we did it. No, no, God said, I'm going to make it so that it's impossible for you to do it on your own. So that when this uh, thing wears off in years to come, you'll change the message instead of saying, God brought me here, you will say, I brought myself here. So I need to make sure you're in a situation that only I can come through. Come on, somebody. Woo. That's what's happening here. And it's the worst place to expect a miracle than the people who bore the ark. Verse 17, uh, they stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all of Israel crossed. And God caused the Jordan River to stop flowing and it flowed uh, back over. Look at verse 5 and here's where we go. Joshua said to them, as you're crossing over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone onto his shoulder according to the number of the tribe and carry it. Verse 6, this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones represent? Then 
you shall answer them and say that the, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Lord, the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed over the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial for the children of Israel forever. And so I got two questions on this paper. I want you to keep this. I want you to write this, fill this out throughout the week, not only here today. But the stones there, they took the stones from the midst of the Jordan while they crossed over, represented the faithfulness of God. And they placed them on the other side of the Jordan as a memorial. And so I thought, man, this would be so, so relevant for us today. And so I want to ask you, what has God given you on this side of the crossing? I want to ask you that, guys that are here. What, what has God done in your life since you've been coming to River of Life, since God's brought you on this side of the transition. Some of you did get saved here. You need to write that down, salvation. Some of you were healed here. Some of you were, were delivered here. You came here and you were battling addictions or something in your life and God gave you a breakthrough and you haven't went back to them. God set you free. God maybe have brought your, say, I don't know, only you can answer that. What has God done for you on this side of our crossing. And that's what these buckets up here are representing. They are filled with stones. These are filled with stones, stones that we have taken from this property. They're from right around outside here. They're from this 870 Savage Road. That's what these buckets are full of. And these stones represent those memories. God chose stones for Joshua because, I mean, no stones outlive us. <laughs> They'll be here. And so at the end of the service, before you go home, I'd love for everybody here, even our children, everybody here, to come up and grab a handful of these stones. That's what I want you to do. And they are as a memorial for what God has done up to this point in your life. You can take some home, keep them forever. As I said, they will outlast you. But next Sunday, at our first service in our new location, I want you to bring some of those stones back with you. And we're going to collect those stones and we're going to find a place to display those stones for years and years and years to come. When people look and they go, what's those stones over there? We're going to say, those are the stones that came from Savage Road. Those are the stones that represent what God had done in 2019, how he made a way for us to get into a bigger place. And they represent you gotten saved and whatever else God has done. Amen. We might put them maybe in the prayer garden over there. I don't know. We'll find a place. We're going to put a bunch of those stones and I'd love to mix in some of your stones as well for what those stones are. So that's what those are. They're, they're a, a memory. They're a memorial of what God has done. And so the second question is this. It says, what are, now this is, this, is, this is futuristic here. This is prophetic. What are you believing for on the other side? This is what this service is all about here today. Thanking God for bringing you here. For me, uh, I was already saved when I came here. It's a joke. I hope so. I was your youth pastor. And, uh, but for me, I, I found my calling. I found my purpose. For me, I found uh, a church family, something to belong to. I found all kinds of things. Those are memorials that we have. Our daughters were practically raised here. They didn't get baptized here. They got baptized in a church before we came, but they were raised here pretty much in this building. And... Joshua was almost born here, <laughs> right, at a missions convention. Lydia was, yeah. And uh, it's just amazing what God has done. And now here they are 
back there. There you are, Josh. You get around, brother. And uh, here they are serving God. And so it's just amazing to see what God has done up to this point. Okay, so what do you believe in God for? Now, now's not the time to say, okay, it's good enough. What are you believing for on the other side? The promise, the people were crossing over, and they were like, man, it's been good in the wilderness, but man, I can't wait to get in that place where there's flowing with milk and honey, where we're going to have room. We're going to have room to do ministry. We're going to have room to talk in the foyer. We're going to have room. If you really get excited in church, you want to run around the church, we got a track. In the Holy Ghost, just take off running, amen, and just go running around. Woo, praise the Lord. You're going to run around. Play some basketball. Hit the three-point, baby, amen, right in the gymnasium, in Jesus' name, whatever. You, we're going to have room. But what spiritually are, are you looking for when you get into the new building? And for this, I want you to find Scripture. I want you to find Scripture, and I want, want you to write Scripture. You might have got saved here, but your family's not all saved. Then you need to find a scripture that says that in Acts, as you and your whole house shall be saved. Pick a scripture, write that scripture down. You gotta be specific and persistent and intentional when it comes to prayer. It just don't happen. You gotta be intentional, you gotta be specific, and you gotta be persistent when it comes to prayer. So I want you to write that down. You need to get healed. Write a scripture down that you are standing on. What promises are you standing on? That your children shall be saved. Whatever it is, a breakthrough, uh, you just fill in the blank. You want you to write those scriptures down. You're going to do it all week. And then in the weeks to come, when we get over there, we're going to be holding services in the gymnasium. We're going to be redoing the sanctuary. So we've got to rip up the carpet. It's been there a long time. So when the carpet is up, the foundation is going to be exposed. And I want you to take a marker, and we're going to write those scriptures onto the foundation of the sanctuary. Your promises, what you want this building, that building to be. I'm dedicating it for souls. I'm dedicating it. This will be a place where the presence of God is lived, loved and, and the word of God is preached. I'm gonna, so you need to write, we're going to write those down on the found, very foundation. We're going to hand out Sharpies. We're going to have a prayer night and we're going to be in there and we're going to saturate that place with the very presence of God by praying and saying, God, this is your place. Come on going to be, so I want it to be that place. When people drive onto that property, I want them to feel how they felt when they drive onto this property. And by the way, God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's what he's going to do because that's what he does. I want us to take communion uh, right now at this time. And then I got one more thing that, that I want to do before we go home. So uh, deacons and trustees, why don't you come and start handing out the elements? You do not have to be a member uh, with us here, but I want us to take communion together uh, at, this, at this service for our last service. Next, sir, next Sunday, we're going to take communion all together in, in, that one, in that gymnasium. And so, but I wanted us to kind of do this today also in remembrance of what God has done and what he is doing. And I'm going to ask my dad to come and lead us at this time into communion in the last time in this building. Amen? Amen. She helped welcome my dad up today. You got two mics. Ready to go. Double anointing, double portion anointing. Amen? Amen. You know, when he mentioned 40 years in the wilderness, I got saved when I was 30, and I'm now 71. So I come out of the wilderness last year. Amen. <laughs> And some of the things we went through in ministry and, and serving God, it feels like a, a wilderness, doesn't it? 
And uh, this morning, I was just sharing uh, uh, the first service. Mary and I came in a little late. We didn't know which one to come to or whatever, but we came in late. And uh, uh, But as she was doing her hair this morning, I said, Honey, if I get a chance to say something today, I don't know. I've been praying. I asked God to give me something. She rolled that curl, and she said, Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> the Lord told me Habakkuk chapter 2. Thank God for that rib you have, brother. You better thank God for that rib and just take good care of her because she's been my compadre for uh, 51 years. Amen. And uh, amen. And she was saved when she married this mess. Uh, for 10 years, she went through a rough time. But God saved me when I was 30. So this morning, as we partake of this communion, this is a vision, uh, partly a vision, and I mentioned as well this morning. Pastor Eddie is, is, is an awesome man of God. Him and my other son, Steve, and I have another son, Bo. And uh, I just want to thank God for those boys and what God has done through their lives. And things like these stones, let me just suggest, I didn't know that at the first service we were going to do it, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to take a stone for all of my kids and grandkids and my one little grandson. Now, you might not think things like this work when you do it with faith, but in 1971, I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I had resigned the first church, and I was going on the evangelistic field. And John Kilpatrick was there, and that church holds 5,000 people. We had 8,000 people at that service. And John Kilpatrick had everyone in the building to write what their need is for that moment. And he had a, a bed. And he said, the ushers, collect all of these uh, papers, and I'm going to lay on that bed and on all of those needs. And he said, whatever you need most of. And as, as an evangelist, I was in my second year, and I wasn't doing very good at all. And, uh, and I put on there... Um, Bo and Eddie. Now, Bo and Eddie, my two oldest sons, uh, was on my heart. And I left picture, I traveled, I preached in 75 churches, most of them in Michigan. I had churches pray for my two sons. If your family don't make it in, what's that going to mean to you? We are a family-orientated church here. And we want your family saved more than anything else. It's not selfish. It's nothing but the will of God. And then the Lord, I changed it. Uh, I raced them out. I said, Lord, you have your way. I need revivals. And I put revival on there. And a week later, I was asked to go to Sheboygan and I preached a two- or three-year revival in the same church in Sheboygan. And my son got saved, Eddie got saved in 1978, or 1997, the very same year. And my other son came into the Lord. Steve's always been with us from day one. He's just, uh, he's just uh, been right there all along. But I'm saying, these, these things work. Communion this morning, you don't have to be a member of our church to take it, but I trust you're a member of the, of the family of God, that you know Jesus, because this is a very serious thing. 
to take the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood and, and not be a, a Christian. So I, I recommend you not take it if you're not a Christian. But uh, Father, today as we celebrate this last service here at River of Life and that your river would flow on down in this area, Lord, we want the whole area, all, every Christian does. And we just thank you for saving us and our families. And we believe uh, this morning in this special service, something special is going to happen to all of us here in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the body together, the bread. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That's in the Bible. That's the truth. And when I think of the word remission, I think of cancer. When people have cancer and they get cured, it goes into remission. So whatever illness is in your body, I believe in the name of Jesus, you're going to be healed right now. And if you've got the faith to believe that, you will be healed right now in Jesus' name. Whatever it is, it'll begin to go in remission. If it's sugar, if it's if whatever it is, God can heal anything because Jesus took the stripes on his back and his blood flowed from Calvary's hill on the old rugged cross. He stood there and he bled and he died for your sin and for my sin. Thank God today. Let's partake of the precious blood together in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Pastor Eddie, if you would come, please. God bless you each and every one. Hope to see you next Sunday. And I love this building. God gave us this building, and it's been a wonderful building. It was built in 73 eight acres or so of wonderful place and a wonderful church. God bless you. Amen. Come on, give Dad some love. Let me say this. <laughs> Working for my son is a real blessing, but he's so much like Donald Trump. <laughs> Brother, he'll tell you to get your hat if you're not on, on, the, on the same plan with him. All right, come on. I had to say that. Alrighty then. One more thing that I want to do, and I, I, I really hesitated in doing this, you know, just, just didn't want to, you know, uh, many different things here, but uh, how many know what this is? Amen. I know Mary does. How many do not know what this is? You do not know? It's okay if you do not know what this is. Okay, that's fine. This is a, a ram's horn, but in the Bible it's called a shofar. 
And, you know, this was really popular during the revival days in the late 90s and early 2000s. People were bringing in almost like tambourines. I remember the tambourines. Um, and so, you know, they, they, like anything, they can kind of get, uh, take on its own identity and purpose. But there's a real significance to this instrument right here in, in the eyes of God and in the Bible times. And, uh, and so uh, I, I don't want to uh, do this as an invitation for you to start bringing yours. <laughs> but I do want to do this as a declaration. Uh, when I read to you, this, when I read this in the book of Numbers, I said, wow, I had no idea um, that this was in there. And so I'm going to read it. But when we were in Israel, our, our tour guide, he had one. He would blow it before the Sabbath began. He would blow it uh, to start worship service. They, the priest would stand on the top of the church, the Temple Mount, and, and he would blow it on time. And all the people in Jerusalem would hear it, and they'd come. It would be church time. Uh, Joshua, they would blow this for wartime. When it was time to have war, Gideon blew it for wartime. So uh, this is how they communicated the different ways you blow it. But here in, in Numbers chapter 10, when the presence of God was in a cloud, it would manifest in a cloud by day in a pillar of fire by night. And 4,000 years ago, this is a real event that happened in Israel. Even Joseph, other, other secular writers have written about the travels of Israel and the fire of night. And, and so we read about it. We know it. Of course it is. But did you know that part of the story was, is when the cloud and the presence of God would begin to move, that Moses would say a prayer. He would then blow the shofar. And, and then the tribe of Judah, that, which was our praise team, would sing a final song of praise and worship. And they would begin to go out and to go into their new place. Come on up, guys. So I want them to come on up, and that's how I want us to end this service. Where are you at, Rob? I got a little too, too choked up last time. I have Rob uh, do this for me. There he is. And so I want us to stand right now, and I want us to do this. Come on up here, brother. Stand right over here. Okay. We don't practice this. I played the trumpet in high school. And, uh, but I want him to blow this. And I want you to picture yourself 4,000 years ago. We have always been a church of the presence of God. Always. And we will always be a church of the presence of God. Because it's that presence of God that will change your life. And that will give you everything that you need. So this is a big deal for us. Not that the next church here won't experience God or that the churches over there never did. But for us, for me, this is the most important thing that I can think of a pastor of life is I don't want to go anywhere without the presence of God. I don't care how big that building is. I don't care how nice it is. And so when I read what Moses said, it blew my mind. I said, I got to read it. Look what he would say. And when the temple, and whenever it was, when the ark set out, that Moses would say, Arise, O Lord. Before I even had the series in mind about doing Arise, I never knew he used that word. He would say this saying, and then they would blow the shofar. Father, in Jesus' name, even right now, we just worship you. We just know that you are here. We know you are doing something special. Father, we know it's 2019 and Moses is already up there in heaven, but God, we are so in love. 
love with your presence. And Father, we know that you will never leave us or forsake you. Father, we want to declare today that this church will be a, a church of your presence. And so we say what Moses said, Arise, O Lord! Arise, O Lord! Let your enemies be scattered. Let those who hate you flee before you. And let your presence go before us. Come on. for this time in your presence today. We thank you for this time to, Lord, to assemble one last time on this property. We thank you for all the things you've done over the years. And Father, we thank you for what you're getting ready to do, Lord, and we just pray that your promise and your presence would just go before us and lead the way. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org River of Life Assembly of God A church of His presence, His promises, and all people.